The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Falato, and today we are going to go over in the dead time of the NFL season. This is, I think, the third straight week I have mentioned that. We're going to go over some recent news, but I want to start with the New York football giants. Now, training camp begins July 27th, so we still have several weeks to that point. This is before July 4th right now, but there are still articles of analysts and everybody surmising what the Giants may do with all of the additions they added. I mean, you drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round. You went out and you signed that prototypical X receiver in Kenny Galladay. You bring in Kyle Rudolph, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and you're hoping that Rob Sale can stabilize an offensive line that had its warts last season. And all of this is surrounded around maximizing Daniel Jones as he heads into his third year as a professional quarterback, similar to what the Buffalo Bills did with Josh Allen last year when they added Stephon Diggs. But as I've said several times on the website and on this podcast, Daniel Jones doesn't have that athletic upside, nor does he have the overall upside as a prospect like Josh Allen who could throw the football over the mountains Uncle Rico style. But that does not mean Daniel Jones cannot be a solid quarterback if he develops the consistency that is necessary to maintain a playoff level of playoff caliber team, which I believe is something that is attainable for Daniel Jones. So I bring all this up because Bucky Brooks on July 2nd wrote a column on NFL.com and the title of it was Daniel Jones to embark on a now or never season. And then he goes through the top five Batman and Robin duos in sports. But The beginning of the articles focused on Daniel Jones and on everything that we've been discussing at Big Blue View with the additions of all of those skilled position players, Joe Judge and his coaching philosophy, Jason Garrett and his play calling, and you know what? Bucky Brooks lays out the same stuff we've all been saying. Look, now is the time for you, Daniel Jones. Yes, maybe the situation isn't ideal in the sense that the offensive line still has a lot of young pieces along it, and all of those pieces need to take that step forward. Can that happen with Rob Sale without the just absolute (laughs) incredibly ridiculous situation that happened last year with Mark Colombo and Joe Judge and then Dave DiGuglielmo came in and he helped stabilize the offensive line but he was not the long-term solution there as the offensive line coach. Can all these guys actualize themselves and become the the best versions of themselves within what Rob Sale wants them to do within Jason Garrett's offense? That is still remains to be seen. And if there are 
big holes on this offensive line or if they are injured, how much of that will affect Daniel Jones as he has all these new and shiny weapons? Is he going to be able to maximize those weapons if this offensive line doesn't hold up? There's still a lot of question marks, but you know what? You went out and you gave Kenny Galladay a four-year, $72 million contract. You spent a first-round pick on a skilled position player, and you still have guys like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. You bring in Kyle Rudolph. You still have Evan Ingram, who does have value despite what a lot of Giant fans feel about him. So Daniel Jones, you didn't surpass 3,000 yards last year. You had 2,943, and you only threw for 11 touchdowns. Jason Garrett, earlier in the season, during OTAs, when he was talking with the media, he said the main priority was to limit the turnovers because Daniel Jones turned the football over a lot in Pat Shermer's scheme the year before. He was able to do that. He did. From 18 fumbles down to 11. And from 12 interceptions down to 10. In a similar amount of snaps because Daniel Jones missed games in both his rookie season and last year due to injuries. And also, I felt like Garrett, as the season progressed, used Daniel Jones in a more efficient manner to punish the defense with his legs so those backside end man on the line of scrimmage the read defender would bite and bite and bite to tackle and basically add an extra defender in the box for the defense but Daniel Jones started to tuck the ball and he started doing this and guess what happened he ended up making that defense pay but eventually as Garrett started getting a little bit more aggressive with his play call started calling design quarterback runs with pullers That's when he ended up getting injured after the bye week against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was never really the same after that because he didn't have that threat, and he couldn't really plant. And we saw him in that Arizona game. It was just not a great look for Daniel Jones because he just couldn't plant off his foot and throw the football. He was hampered out there. So I'm not going to hold that necessarily against him. But we need to see more consistency from Jones. As I've said on several podcasts, especially recently when I broke down his deep passing, I felt like he did much better with his eye manipulation when he was facing middle-of-the-field closed defenses. He would look off that middle-of-the-field safety, and the the middle-of-the-field safety is taught to flow with the first read of the quarterback. Once Daniel Jones would hit that back foot, he would be firing to either a two or one, so a slot seam or a number one vertical, and he would just have a one-on-one matchup outside or up that seam and he would have the space because that's the way the route was designed that's the way the play was designed I felt like Jones did a better job with his timing in those situations but he still struggled to get through progressions and just see the overall picture of what the defenses was doing right at the snap from what he diagnosed pre-snap I mean there's so many things going on in a quarterback's mind it's not that simple but we need to see all that cleaned up because next year the Giants have to make a decision based on what they saw in 2021 whether to pick up his fifth year option and they have two first round picks next year that they can use for ammunition to trade up to get possibly one of the top quarterbacks coming out in the draft so there's a lot to kind of consider with Daniel Jones but Bucky Brooks kind of breaks down a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about on Big Blue View about all the positives from 2020 to 2021 that are trending in Daniel Jones's favor but he still needs to put it all together I mean getting Saquon Barkley back as well as all those other pieces that the Giants have added should certainly help him, but we still need to see consistency. And there's a and another Giants news, Kyle Rudolph on a in an article Nick Shook wrote for NFL.com said that he felt feels extremely fortunate that he discovered the foot injury. So I thought about this and I was like, so did he not was he not aware? Because he ended the year on the IR. Is he not aware that that injury was as bad 
as it actually was going into his physical with the New York Giants. So I'm wondering what the pain tolerance actually was. But they ended up discovering that foot injury. Remember, the Giants already, they didn't, he didn't sign the contract, but they committed the money to Kyle Rudolph. But they could have backed out of that if they wanted to because in the team physical, it came out that he had injury issues. And the Giants aren't the type of organization to do that. The Giants honored the contract. Kyle Rudolph ended up getting surgery a couple weeks later. And then we just saw him in minicamp on the field. Wasn't running around. He was stationary, but that's still a good sign for maybe having him available for training camp, which I feel like is very, very important. I think Kyle Rudolph is going to be more involved than other people feel at this time. And I only really base that off of me checking fantasy rankings and things like that. And I see a lot of people at Yahoo and all over the place, they have Kyle Rudolph ranked as some of the last tight ends that they rank. And Evan Ingram ranked in like 16, 13, all the way up that high. And I think that's not necessarily the way to look at it. I think Kyle Rudolph is going to be that wide tight end in Jason Garrett's system if Rudolph is healthy because he fits the prototype of what Jason Garrett wants from a tight end much more than Evan Ingram does. But that does not mean Ingram won't have a role splitting the seams and using his athletic ability. He's just not going to be asked to run those quick curls and those search routes and those spacing concepts because Ingram doesn't have the concentration nor does he have the ability to catch the football when he quickly turns around to face the quarterback. That's not Evan Ingram's game. Get him the football in space, get the football in his hands on those drag routes and those mesh concepts, and then have him just beat the safety with his athletic ability coming downhill, and then he can pick up yards like we saw in Daniel Jones's first start back in 2019 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's how you utilize someone like Evan Ingram, and I feel like he's been somewhat miscast since he became a giant, and I kind of want to go over that draft real quick, but before we do that, the Kyle Rudolph thing, I think it's just interesting that uh, he may have signed this if the Giants doctors didn't feel this didn't feel this injury out didn't necessarily see it. he signed the contract went to training camp got hurt and it could have been an absolute disaster so luckily he got surgery let's hope all of that ends up not being something that's going to hold him back from playing in 2021 because i do believe he can have a lot of importance to this offense especially the way that jason garrett loves to use 12 and loves to use 13 personnel But before I get into the 2017 draft and talk a little bit more about Evan Ingram, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So I want to bring up that 2017 draft because the Saints just extended Wisconsin tackle Ryan Ramchick 
to a five-year, $96 million extension. And I feel this is important because Ramchek was somebody the Giants passed over. Now, to to not overlook some of the context here, Ramchek had some hip injuries at Wisconsin, similar to Tyler Biotish, I guess you could say, another Wisconsin guy who has a Z in his last name, but that's neither here nor there. So there were some injury concerns surrounding him, but he was a dominant force while at Wisconsin, and he fell to pick 32, where the Saints, the rich get richer, selected him. Now, the Giants made the playoffs the year before, so they had the 23rd pick, remember, the wild card loss in Green Bay, everybody knows the boat trip, all that stuff. But they selected Evan Ingram in that 2017 draft, right before Gary and Conley for the Oakland Raiders and Jabril Peppers for the Cleveland Browns, who's now obviously a New York Giant. And the reason they selected him, this was Jerry Reese's last draft as the general manager of the New York Football Giants, was because a lot of teams were playing the Giants at that time in two high split safety looks, what a lot of the NFL does. Giants don't see it as much because I feel like defensive coordinators don't fear Daniel Jones as much as they do the rushing attack of the Giants. So they shut down the run and they say, all right, Daniel Jones, you beat us. So we're going to play, you know, middle of the field closed. Don't need to have too high because we don't really see him as much of a threat. And we're going to keep an extra guy near the box to really sure up our run defense. Well, Evan Ingram, back in 2017, when there were much more too high defenses because Eli Manning was still playing, they saw him as somebody they could line up in a wide position, possibly kick him out a little bit in, in a uh, in a slot role that could stretch the seam and split the cover two and kind of punish teams with his speed. Now, Evan Ingram was not somebody who a lot of people felt like was going to be a first round pick, right? He's six foot three, 234 pounds. He has long arms. He has big hands, although he still can't catch the football. But he went down to the combine that year and he ran a 4-4-2. That's 98th percentile for Titans, which is absolutely insane. And remember that same year, George Kittle went down there and ran a comparable 40, a 4-5-2, but he ended up falling to the fifth round, George Kittle. And a lot of people, the way Iowa used their tight ends back then, it wasn't really in the receiving game. So Kittle was able to develop himself as a blocker at the University of Iowa. And then that was when Greg Davis was their offensive coordinator, ran a very, very conservative style that didn't really feature the tight ends in their vertical game or really as receivers at all. And then Brian Ferentz took the job, and that's why we see TJ Hawkinson and Noah Font used a little bit more than what George Kittle was back when Greg Davis's offense was there. But anyways, that's that's irrelevant right now. The Giants went and they selected Evan Ingram before David Njoku, which is fine, just after OJ Howard. There were three tight ends in the first round of that 2017 draft that a lot of Giants fans rightfully were questioning the selection no knock on Evan Ingram but he just basically was a tight end who wasn't refined who just ran really fast and then Jerry Reese saw a shiny toy who could possibly split the cover two defenses as somebody that they could bring in to pair with Odell Beckham Jr. because teams were really trying to cloud cover Odell Beckham rightfully so but then you looked at the offensive line Eli Manning he's in the waning years of his career and his offensive linemen at this time were Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart and the Giants drafted Evan Ingram over players like Ryan Ramchek, who just was re-signed to a big deal by the New Orleans Saints. And it's not to—this has kind of been rehashed. It's kind of been beat down at this point. And I think a lot of people acknowledge that it has been a mistake. Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl last year, but his entire 2020 season was just marred with mistake after mistake after mistake. And players like T.J. Watt, 
Ryan Ramchek, Tredavious White, Buda Baker, they were all selected after Evan Ingram. And that's something that a lot of people can't let go. And right now, you look at the offensive line, yes, it's not proven, but it there's a lot of youth there. There's a lot of potential there with Andrew Thomas on the left side, Matt Pear on the right side. But if the Giants were to maybe not go for the flash, which was something that Jerry Reese was guilty of, he liked being a little bit flashy, kind of building his roster from the outside in instead of the inside out, which I feel like is the much more appropriate way to build a roster. You want to make sure that the trenches are set. You want to ensure that you can stop the run. You want to ensure that you can run block and that you can pass protect. And then you find the receivers and the skill position players. Instead of doing that, he went with the flash, the receivers. That's why he ended up going with drafting people like Travis Beckham throughout his tenure, players like Ramses Barden. And I understand you're going to try to invest in those positions as well, but when you neglect the offensive line as much as he did, it leads to the struggles that ended up happening through the 2017, 2018, into the 2019 season until the Giants and Dave Gettleman really put in a big investment in the offensive line during the 2020 draft. And we have to see if that investment's going to pay off because it's still early, but we got solid returns in the 2020 season from those rookies. Now the Giants lost Kevin Zeitler this year. So will this line kind of restabilize and kind of be better than the 31st ranked offensive line because that's what pro football focus had them ranked as in in accordance to efficiency so if the Giants want to make the playoffs this year they're going to have to be better than that right good on Ryan Ramchek to get that second contract there were mistakes that have happened every team makes mistakes and I know a lot of people are bringing this back up now that Ramchek received this contract you know we got to try to look just forward at this point there are players in this position at tackle who hopefully can develop if Thomas and Parrott develop into you know really really good players then you know what it's not going to be something that we continue to harp on because those positions are fixed and then they can just move forward and that's what we're all hoping for at this point but I wanted to kind of just go back to that 2017 draft because it was an incredibly interesting draft I mean the Giants go with Evan Ingram they end up going with Davis Webb in the third round somebody who didn't really stick but the Giants at one point felt like he could be the heir successor to the Eli Manning throne, and then Dalvin Tomlinson, who didn't get his second contract, but certainly deserved it. He was the 55th overall pick, and he hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet, according to Wikipedia and according to, you know, just facts of life, but darn, well, he really deserved it because he's such a damn talented football player, and the Vikings ended up getting him. Alrighty, I wanted to touch on all those things, and now a couple more news notes. There's some rumblings about Devontae Adams, There's a lot of rumblings about Aaron Rodgers, but the most recent one was Derek Carr came out and he said that the Raiders are in full court press to recruit Devontae Adams to come and play for them in 2022 when he's a free agent. And I just think this is funny because Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, really, really good relationship. They both went to Fresno State. Devontae Adams was his go-to guy when they were both in school together. But Devontae Adams addressed this and he said, It would be a dream of mine to play with Derek Carr again, but as of right now, I'm a Green Bay Packer, and that's where where my focus is, and I think that's an excellent way to handle this, but it's still little rumblings that may kind of lead us to think, hey, you know, if the Aaron Rodgers stuff falls through, Devontae Adams gets sick of this organization because, you know, 
they did Aaron Rodgers dirty. And if Devontae Adams sees it from that perspective and he doesn't want to kind of stick around for this rebuilding process with Jordan Love, he could possibly go and play with Carr or he can go to any other team because Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers and everybody's going to want to sign this player. But then it makes me think, Devontae Adams, with Henry Ruggs, John Brown if he's still there, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, a team that wants to run the football. I mean, that, that would really help that offense for John Gruden who doesn't necessarily have the best start to this 10-year contract that he received from the Las Vegas Raiders. It's not necessarily great. And then we have this bit of news. Hard knocks, ladies and gentlemen. That was supposed to be a drum roll, but it was absolutely horrendous. doesn't matter. HBO has approved the NFC East Dallas Cowboys for a five-episode series, and I am really, really excited for this for many reasons. A, it's Jerry Jones, who is just incredibly entertaining to watch to listen to speak you got mike mccarthy how competent is he going to be is he going to be like hugh jackson was a few years ago or is he going to be more like a coach that you can respect i mean we saw last year there was almost a mutiny with the team because the defensive coordinator mike nolan was inept with the personnel that dallas had and i just think there are a lot of unique personalities you got ezekiel elliott got dak prescott coming off the injury amari cooper cd lamb guys like michael gallup and then on defense you have jalen smith you have leighton vander esch you have trayvon diggs who they selected last year i just think there's a lot of um interest that can go into this and it's the brand of the dallas cowboys that's a huge brand and this is not the first time they've been on hard knocks they've been on hard knocks back in 2002 they were on hard knocks back in 2008 with wade phillips there and now we get to see mike mccarthy doing his thing in hard knocks i'm actually looking forward to this i think it could be quite entertaining and then in other news a couple nfl franchises were fined for ota violations one of those franchises ironically enough was the dallas cowboys another was the jacksonville Jaguars and another was the San Francisco 49ers. It looks like the Jaguars were fined $100,000 and then Mike McCarthy and Kyle Shanahan were fined $50,000 for just going over the line in terms of the intensity within the practice sessions. Players are in shorts, jerseys, and helmets and there was contact in some of these sessions and that's just against what the NFL is trying to employ right now on their players and it's against the league collective bargaining agreement so those three clubs ended up being fined not that big of a deal this kind of stuff happens a lot but it's something that I felt like I should mention Alrighty, everybody and that's about it for this week's just short little news bits I'm looking forward to training camp there's going to be a lot to break down then but until then we're going to get a little bit creative with these podcasts I'm probably going to assemble an all NFC East team I'm thinking about doing that let me know if you guys appreciate that idea i'm wondering how many giants i'm going to be as objective as possible i'm wondering how many giants will fit into the offense and the defense i'll probably do a podcast on the offense podcast on the defense consisting of 15 players collectively not 11 because i want to be able to employ in this theoretical world my own different personnel packages on offense and on defense so this is nick filato on filato on football hope you guys enjoyed this game everybody take care of yourselves be safe and have a good july 4th holiday take care more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.